I'm Dr. Robin McKay. This is the Mindset RX podcast, the show made especially for emotionally intelligent leaders ready to set the tone for a positive, productive, and purposeful week. And it's for those of you who are asking big questions like, is this all there is? What's next? And what's my purpose? Listen, the world of work has changed. Grit, hard work, and tenacity are giving way to purpose, flow, and hope as we seek new ways to contribute, make a difference, and create a career and life that matters. It's time to start dreaming again. Here we go. Every once in a while, people will ask me, Robin, do you work with male clients? And my answer is always yes. The men that I work with are emotionally intelligent, they are leaders, and they are protectors and providers. Often, they spend a lot of time worrying about the people that they care for, their families, what they're meant to do with their lives, just like women do. And I have to tell you, not only do I work with men as clients, I actually also have men on my podcast, including today's guest, John Dwaskin, is my very first male podcast guest. And I'm so excited to share his story with you. John is a business coach who helps you get unstuck and grow your business very big. Here's the thing I like about John is that in addition to be, being a savvy business coach, business owner, a longtime successful guy in his work, he also has a really soulful perspective on life. He's somebody who has been able to integrate business with soulful spiritual practices, a long, a long game perspective on his life. And he's had some challenges in his life that I can't wait for you to listen to. Really, it's one of the greatest gifts that you're going to give yourself today is to listen to this podcast. So we will get started in just a minute. And I'm looking forward to sharing John with you. You can find him on LinkedIn, John Dwaskin and in all the social media platforms as well. So we will see you in a few minutes on the pod. You've probably heard me talking a lot about the Wealth Consciousness RX mini coaching packages that I've been offering this winter. And I have to say, it's been so amazing to see so many emotionally intelligent, intuitive, smart people joining me in private coaching forum to be able to expand their capacity to attract, receive, and hold more financial wealth. You know, I've been saying for a while that there's been this push toward expanding consciousness. And yet I see a lot of people who are making the unconscious decision to bypass wealth consciousness. And this is something that really is at the heart of self-actualization. In other words, you really can't self-actualize unless you have an expansive mindset around wealth, money, and investing in yourself and investing in your greatest hopes and dreams. And that's really what the Wealth Consciousness RX mini coaching packages support doing. I download wealth consciousness codes that I've received from the Akashic Records into your energy center. So this is largely energy work. And of course, there's conversations that we have about your relationship with money, the things that you learned about money when you were a little kid, and any societal, cultural 
genetic and generational influences that might be pinching off your connection with divine source energy, which in turn then pinches off your connection with wealth consciousness. So I have made a decision to open up more of these sessions to more of you. If this is something that you've been thinking about, now is the time to do it. These are three 45-minute private sessions with me where I download the codes. We have conversations and shift perspective around your relationship with money, your connection with divine source energy, and get you really into an expanded space where you can see more opportunities and more opportunities can come to you to bring more money into your life. If that's something that you're interested in, you can reach out to me at Robin at drrobinmckay.com and ask about it. We're going to put the enrollment link in the show notes so you can just go ahead and register if that feels right to you. And if you are somebody who already knows that you want to work with me in a more expansive package than just three 45-minute energy sessions, you can book a call with me at drrobinmckay forward slash call and we can have a conversation about a bespoke package that is just right for you as you're headed into 2023. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm looking forward to having this conversation today with John Dwoskin, who is, oh my gosh, serial success story. That's the only <laughs> thing that comes to mind when I review what you've gone through in your life, both personally and professionally, and the things that you've encountered and the stories I'm sure that you have to tell. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Robin. I pre thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I love it. I'm excited to see where this goes today. We Before we started recording, we were talking about just how our listeners are successful people, entrepreneurs, leaders, CEOs, often who think they have ADHD or some other twice exceptionality. Yeah. One of the things I would really like to start with you is your story is so compelling to me for so many reasons, okay. professionally, but also personally. And I would love for you to kind of tell us your origin story, especially those parts that lean into the twice exceptionality that you have in your own life that you've had to work around and work through? Yeah. So, uh, well, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I'll kind of, you know, I'll, I'll kind of tell the end of the story or the work in progress story, and then I'll kind of go back a little bit. But, you know, one of the things when I was 18 years old, my dad gave me a set of tapes, I'm 50 now, called The Psychology of Success. And he said to me, Jonathan, I think you'll learn more from these tapes than you will college. And I put it on my ears and I knew at that moment, Robin, that I wanted to be a business coach. I wanted to start companies and, and grow them. And, you know, I ultimately ended up going to college and starting an internet company and then getting into commercial real estate and then starting my business coach almost eight years ago now. But what was interesting to me is I realized at 18, I started realizing how I learned. And I really didn't fully, fully know until I was about 30 years old. And I think for anybody who, you know, I have dyslexia, for anybody who has ADHD, for anybody who has any learning disability, I think the number one key thing, at least for me, has been, and other people that I talk to, and many people that I coach, is knowing how you learn. I always thought I was a visual learner, and it wasn't until I was 30 when I found out I had dyslexia that I actually am led and learn the best in an auditory setting, which I found very obvious after, after I took this IQ, this IQ test or dyslexia test, whatever it was, because I had been listening to tapes for the last 12 years when, at, at the time I took this, and my retention listening was always so much higher 
than when I read. And so I think first and foremost is knowing how you learn and then surrendering to it. So we're both Gen X. And at the time we were in school, elementary school, middle school, there wasn't a whole lot of resources, I'll say, for twice exceptional kids. So how did you get through school without yeah. having that be recognized? I mean, I did too. I have ADHD yeah, I and I mean, didn't get diagnosed until I was in my 30s. So they missed yeah. us. So what happened with you? My parents have both passed away, but I used to say to my dad, how did no one know that I was, you know, I struggled so much in like studying. And they said, well, we actually did get you tested when you were 10, but they didn't find anything. I think maybe the testing wasn't good. Maybe they didn't take me to a good person. I have no, Robin, I have no clue. I have no clue because I was, I, I'm a smart person, but I couldn't like retrieve things. I couldn't like remember things. I couldn't piece it together unless I had a tutor and I didn't even have many of those. You know, I, I don't know how it got, I really don't know how it got missed. Because it's fascinating. It, it's really fascinating. But people always say, well, it's a gift. And I really do believe it was a gift because it forced me. It forced me to learn on my own. And so those tools that I that I got from having to figure it out somewhat on my own helped me in other ways as well. But yeah, I don't know. It's like it boggles my mind. Yeah. It occurs to me in my background as a psychologist who works with twice exceptional people, those who are very bright and also have something else, some other cognitive disability, we'll call it, that we deploy our intellectual resources to mask the problem, not because we want to hide anything, but simply because we can, and we have to find workarounds for these, the way that, to your point, to the way that you're learning, to the way that you're receiving information. So I imagine you did a whole lot of workarounds intellectually, just deploying more resources to- the problem. You know, I didn't know, I didn't really know, I, I couldn't, I didn't know how to define what you're saying until I was 30. I was in commercial real estate. I was just plowing away at the business and, and I got a hundred million dollars worth of listings, five different deals in a week. And so I was totally just engrossed in underwriting them and visiting them. I mean, I knew everything about them, like the back of my hand, these five properties. And so I launched them, I listed them. They were apartment buildings all throughout the Michigan and then I did a call with my Chicago office of my company. And I left Friday, the office, knowing that my call was on Monday morning at, I think, maybe eight or something. And I didn't study the deals over the weekend. I mean, Rob and I had spent hundreds of hours on it. And so I get on the call and there was a little bit of static on the call. It was a conference call with three of my Chicago offices to pitch my deals. And I couldn't remember. So people started asking me questions. I couldn't remember anything. So I had read years prior, I had read in Herb Cohen's book, You Can Negotiate Anything, that if you ever run into a problem, hang up on yourself talking, because no one would think that you would hang up on yourself talking. And then you call back. I started having an anxiety attack thinking, how can I not remember stuff that I know knew so well, even two days ago? Anyway, I hung up on myself talking. I sent a, I, I, I called back the manager and I said, hey, sorry, I don't know what happened, but if anybody has any questions, call me. Called my therapist and I said, something's going on with the way that my brain works. Maybe I have ADD, ADHD. At that time, it was two different names. Today, it's one. Um, so he said, okay, come in for an IQ test. So I came in, it was like five days, two hours a day. And he said, you should read Living with Dyslexia. And I said, well, for who? He said, for you. And so I began learning how I learn. And one of the things is I need a cheat sheet. No matter how well I know the information, I need to like 
review it before something because it will download in my head and I can retrieve it faster. So I think we all have those moments where, you know, they're very stressful and we have to just figure out how we learn and just kind of surrender to it. That's, that's, that's been my formula. I'm going to take that advice. Hang up on yourself. If you ever get stuck. I love that. (laughs) It's a great one. I've used it probably about five times in my whole career because, you know, nobody would think you would hang up on yourself talking. I did it the other day. Yeah, I had a podcast interview. This has never happened to me before. And the guest was, I felt like was about to say some, you know, I do mine live. You're going to be on my show, I know. But, and I was like, I, it wasn't going the way I needed it to go. And I hung up asking a question and then deleted it off of social media. Good strategy, yeah. good strategy. And I think that's one of the gifts of having a twice exceptional brain is that you figure you, you get real innovative because you have to be, first of all. And I think that's where creativity lies, is that intersection of solving a problem and finding a solution that maybe you've never even thought of before, but suddenly it drops in as this is what needs to happen next. It's quite, what do you think about this whole idea of twice exceptionalities being superpowers? How do you, where do you fall on that? I've got my own opinion about it. I 100% I think it's a superpower. I mean, you know, my business as a business coach, I'm able to see and hear things that people can't see and hear and see things that are hidden in plain sight to me. I, my brain sees things completely differently than you know somebody who, not that somebody who goes to an Ivy League school has my type of our type of brain, but it sees it completely differently. It's I've built a whole business. I, I have since now in my coaching business built a whole business around it because my listen, my active listening skills to verbal and nonverbal and my EQ are so high that I'm able to coach people to get to places faster because of the questions that I ask, because of what I'm picking up that other people and they may miss. So absolutely superpower, 100%. It's really fascinating to hear how you talk about that. I was thinking about EQ for you as well, that one of the things that that could get you kind of next level in whatever business you choose is your capacity to just make connections, to read energy, read emotions, Mm -hmm. create whatever you want to create based on just that ability. You know, there's so, something called SQ that I, I just, there's something called SQ, spiritual intelligence mm-hmm. that I've been studying too. And, you know, and I think my, I actually took an SQ, I worked with an SQ consultant to take this kind of SQ test. And it was, it, that also came out back very, very high. So I do, I tap into all of that. And, and again, like anything, I'm always working to kind of grow that skill. Well, you know, that's my specialty is spiritual intelligence. That's something oh, I've is been it? studying oh. yeah, for years oh, and years. Oh, good. Okay, good, good. We'll have to talk more about that. I know. Yeah. Uh, did you work with, I remember SQ came out with, um, I can't remember their first name, Zohar, I think did a uh, spiritual intelligence assessment at some point. Um, well, in the book, early. yeah. I, I work with somebody named, I worked with somebody named Amy Lynn Durham. I should probably connect you guys and I can introduce you, but the book is, what's the book? Hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. The, I mean, it's called SQ. I just can't remember the name of the author. I, I, the name is so memorable, but I can't remember Cindy Wigglesworth. It's called- That's right. I remember Wigglesworth. Yeah. 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 SQ 21. SQ 21. Yeah. Great book. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. The the spiritual intelligence, I really believe, is where we're headed anyway in business yeah, is accessing intuition, being able to see multiple perspectives and hold multiple perspectives as we're to your point and to the work that you're doing, getting people unstuck, getting them out of stagnation and into motion with their yeah. own mission, vision, and purpose. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I think that's so important. You know, and 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 I know I share this, but I'll, I'll share this again. And I think you have the same gifts, which is creating a space for people where you ask them questions to get to a space that they can't get to on their own. And if they could, it happens a lot faster. So a lot of times people will say to me, God, sometimes when I'm with you, I feel like I'm with like my business therapist. And I'll say to them, well, the reason I think you feel that way is because a therapist, like when you're with, when you're working with me, you're growing and it's all about you. And where else do you have a relationship like that, where it's hundred percent about you, where someone's listening and giving you feedback and I mean, I don't know of any other place than my therapist. <laughs> exactly. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. One of the gifts that we give our clients, I think, is that spaciousness to just focus on them and on right. what their greatest hopes and dreams are. And I wanted this just popped in for me. When you're talking about business therapist, what I actually saw was, and I wanted to ask you this, it feels like you can tap into the consciousness of the business itself and kind of channel or converse with that energy. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, and I totally can. So the way yeah, tell I tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Nobody ever really asked me that question. Every morning, I have a lot of morning routines. And one of which is I, 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 I kind of, you know, have a prayer that I say that kind of opens me up to, you know, the universe, quantum physics, and you know, things of that nature. But when I'm coaching people, I'm in such a zone, allowing things to kind of flow through me that while I'm coaching them, I'm using kind of, this is the only way I know how to describe it, the right side of my brain to give them, to, to, to listen with my whole brain, my right side of my, my brain, give, give them kind of the science and the left side of my brain to give them the art. And I can literally hear where I need to guide them by just kind of like a voice in my left ear. So sometimes it's like my, my, it's like my, my gut and my intuition and universal guidance. They mm-hmm. say like, tell them this, tell them this, tell them this, tell them this. So it's very common that when I'm coaching someone, I'll say, you know what, I'm picking up on X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C and, you know, this, and, I, you know, we probably could dive in here and do that. And they'll say, well, I don't even, all I did was tell you, you know, three sentences, but I can get into the, the energy field of the person and the company very quickly and typically before I even work, start working with them. So the dyslexia, I want to go back to that for a second. With dyslexia, you know that you learn best auditorially. So it doesn't surprise me that the major sense, psychic sense or intuitive sense that you have would be the clear audience, the capacity to hear beyond what's being said physically or being said auditorially. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes what always like makes me laugh is I'll, I'll tell people like, and it usually always fits in. So people don't really think twice about it. And so I'll say, you know what, for some reason, as I'm talking to you, based on what you're saying, the following song kind of pops into my, Mm -hmm. you know, and they'll say, oh, that's like my family song, or that's my this, or, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a song or something I'll say, God, nobody's ever picked up on that before. And so I really do my, you know, I, I honor the gifts and I don't let my ego get in the way because then it, 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 it'll shut it off. And so I, I honor the gifts and I know that, you know, it's, it is, it's a lot of my gift and a lot of being open to a gift. Both. And yeah, for sure. My intuition operates in much the same way. One of the things that just came through right now is ask him about making a living being yourself. Yeah. So I, I started my business so I could make a living being myself. I was in corporate America. I was, you know, in a career that I was just done with. I wanted to start my business and I knew that I either had to conform to what was going on in the corporate culture or I needed to leave. There was really no one between. 
And so I decided to leave. And it was funny because when I left, I had done this Monday meeting. The guy that I reported to was in the office and he came to my office. He goes, oh, that meeting was so great. You know, this company meeting that I ran. I said, thank you. I said, you know, I'm resigning. I just wanted, I, I'm resigning today. Here's my resignation letter. I'm giving you three weeks. I know you're going to be out of town and I'll run the office, you know, 110% till the day, till the day I leave. And he said, well, you know, he was a bit upset. And but he said, I don't understand. Why are you leaving? And I just said, you know, my soul is no longer in alignment you know, with, you know, that, you know, with everything. And he said to me, you know, like, can I swear on this podcast? He said to me, what the fuck does that even mean? So I said, it means I made the right decision. It's just, I appreciate everything I learned. I appreciate my time here, but it's just time for me to move on and do my own thing. And so I, I'm not, I played the corporate game really well, in my opinion, but I just couldn't play it anymore. And because you can't, well, I couldn't really be myself in the corporate culture because you have to, you know, you're 25% of it is playing the game in a truly corporate company on what, you know, what you said to this person and what you can't say to this person. And so I, I tell people all the time, I, you know, I started a business where I just get to be myself. I'm not worried about saying the wrong thing because everything I say is for the benefit of, of the person that I'm talking to. I just get to kind of do my thing. You know, my wife is a nurse by trade. She's an energy healer as well. So she left nursing, went into energy healing. And so I remember once I was, my office manager came into my office and said, hey, the office is kind of laughing behind your back because you're using the word energy too much in the office. So I said, okay, I won't, I won't use it anymore. So I would find different words to use and, you know, this and the other, but I just wanted to be myself. That's it. That was, you know. Isn't it exhausting to have to code switch yeah. in the corporate space? Yeah, it's tiring. It's so tiring. Yeah. And, you know, I came out of biotech. So my undergrad was in biology. I worked in a biosafety level three lab early on as a, I was a STEM girl, worked in pharma for about 10 years, even as I was finishing my PhD. And I was still, I was learning Reiki and I was meditating and I was doing spiritual retreats and I was yeah. a little bit of a unicorn and I was grateful to have a company that let me be myself, but there was still a lot of code switching going on. In fact, I want to talk about that because you go back into, you work with corporate yeah. leaders, you work with executives. Yeah. And I've heard this, maybe you have too. You're a little bit too woo for us. You're a little bit too touchy feely for us. Do you I hear that? Yeah. How do you, how does that play out for you? I don't really get that because I use words that I know wherever I am, they can process and receive. I don't go there. I just, I wrap it in language that will resonate with them. Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily always the language I, you know, of, of that I would use for myself, but I use language for them. Yes. And so yes. I pick up on what their language is, and then I know where to kind of slot it in. Now, when mm -hmm. I, you know, people will say, oh, you do spiritual stuff, because I always incorporate meditation in my keynotes or my group trainings, because that's important to kind of get my people grounded so they raise their awareness so they can actually receive what I'm, what I'm providing them. But I, but I, but I don't go, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't get to woo woo just because, just because I, I need them to be able to hear me. Exactly. Yeah. We have to, we have to be able to code switch when we go back in, but Correct. when you're living in it, that's where it gets exhausting. Yeah. Now it's like you're bilingual. It's like, you know, you speak Spanish and English, and if Spanish Correct. is your first language, that's the language of your heart, but you can yeah. also articulate in another language. And so yeah. too, I think that you probably speak corporate and spirit. 
and find ways of integrating that energetic the energetic truth through a language that your your people can understand i think that's one of the greatest things that we can bring into the corporate space is some liveliness to yeah and a lot around development yeah i think a lot of times a lot of times what i use is questions in my especially my one-on-one i can ask questions that allow people to get deeper into things which which elevates their awareness which then i can give them you know an intellectual shortcut best practice that really accelerates and amplifies what they what they can do the minute they're you know done working with me that day so good yeah can we talk about your cancer diagnosis and how that shifted things for you so that was intense you know long story short i was meditating i met my wife when i was in my late 20s like kind of 26 ish she was going to a holistic doctor. She was living in Chicago. She was from Detroit. And I started going to the holistic doctor and, and he was balancing energy and he was helping me and healing me. And he had helped my wife and he taught me how to meditate. And so I started meditating. And so when I was 30, I was meditating religiously like every day. And one day my meditations just went black. And I was reading Lance Armstrong's book at the time, but I just felt like there was something wrong. And I had just had a physical and I just felt like there was something wrong with my body. And I said to my wife, I think I have testicular cancer. And she said, oh, you just had a physical, you know, you're reading that book. Maybe it's, you know, you know, the, just the, the stress of the book. And so the feeling wouldn't go away. So I ended up making another appointment with a new internist. And so he said, you know what? You do have a, have a lump on your testicle. Went to a urologist. He said, you're absolutely fine. I said, I know I'm not fine. Just take my blood. He's like, no, I'm so fine. You're, I'm so you know, positive. You're fine. I'm not even taking your blood. I should have pushed at that moment. Cause what I did not know at the moment was that testicular cancer is the, the, the most curable, but also the fastest growing. It doubles in size every 30 days. And so he said, just come back in a month and, you know, and get an ultrasound. I went back in a month, thankfully that I had the intuitive nature to at least go back in the month. And then I left, he called me back and said, you got to get back to the office, picked up my wife. And he said, you're right, you you do, you have testicular cancer. That was, I can't explain it. It was a, it was a really a blur because it was, I had 17 treatments of radiation. I was able, thankfully, to have children and I did not have to have chemo. It was stage one. So it wasn't, it was a very stressful situation. But in that moment, you know, my wife and I had one, you know, weekend to get pregnant before I started radiation, we got pregnant. And then it was all about, you know, the baby and, you know, this. And so what was the most stressful was just the five years of of follow-ups. That was, that was the worst because it's hard to kind of evolve. It's a lot easier to go through something the first time when you don't know what you're going through versus having to think that you have to go through it again, knowing what you went through. But I was busy building my real estate career and I was busy with my son and I was, and then we had our daughter. But the scary part was the evolution, the transformation for me was with testicular cancer after five years, you're pretty much, you're in remission and you're done. And after 10 years, they don't even consider it a thing. And so I went to my oncologist for 10 years because I wanted 10 years of clean bill of health. And on my 10 year checkup, you go, you, the process is you kind of, you go early, you get your blood. And then two days later, three days later, you go and you're, you, you see the doctor and hopefully he tells you you're fine. Well, after my blood was taken, I was driving to Chicago and he called me and he said, Hey, you got to get to my office. I was two hours away from Detroit. You got to get to my office. Your cancer. I don't know why he told me this. He said, your cancer is riddled through your entire body. I've never seen a case so bad in my 
you know, in my entire career, you've got to get into my office now. Pulled off of the side of the road. I was, you know, of course, crying, called my wife, called my therapist. I don't even remember, even when I talk about it, and it isn't that much that I talk about it, but I can't remember the drive home or how I got to the doctor's office. But picked up my wife, got to the doctor's office. He's looking at a computer and he's saying, I, we've never seen a, I've never seen a case this bad. And I said, I just, I think you're wrong because the first time I had it, I knew it. I could like sense it in my body. And I just, I think you're wrong. And he said, you know, he had a doctor behind him standing there. And he's like, I'm telling you, the odds of me being wrong are one in a million. Like, I'm not wrong. And then he takes me in a room and he's like, we're going to have to, you know, remove your other testicle. We're going to have to put you on hormones. We're going to have to start you on chemo. We're going to have to. And I was like, no, let's stop for a minute. I want you to, I want an emergency ultrasound, CAT scan and blood. And he kind of pushed back. I pushed harder. And I said, no, let's, I want it. Long story short, a day and a half later, they get the results and he calls me and he says, you're right. They botched your blood. You're fine. So that's, so I'll, so I'll back up for a second. A lot of people in my family died really young. So I always had this like fear of death, right? You know, they would go, they'd be, they would be fine. They'd go to the doctor. They'd say, you, 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 you have cancer, you're dying. They would be fine. They'd walk into the doctor. You have a disease. And this, I was like very kind of manic in that way when it came to, you know, growing up. So this fear of death was kind of just like the energy of it was all around, whether it was real or not, or rational or not, it was just kind of really occupied too much of my thoughts. So I was fine. So it's easy for me to say this, but that moment where I thought I was dying for a day and a half, and then they said, you're fine. 98% of my fear of dying went away. And so, you know, I don't know why it happened to me. But I have to think that that's why. But I also, the message, which I think is so important, is you have to be your own doctor in life. You have to listen to your gut and your intuition. Had I been a person who just believed somebody in a white coat, I would be dead right now because I would have been pumped with a tremendous amount of chemo. I would have been pumped with a tremendous amount of everything. And then after God knows how long, they would have taken my blood and said, oh, you're cured because I never had anything in the first place. And so you've got to be your own doctor. You've got to take control. And that to me is the message of it. You know, it, it took me about two and a half, three months to get over it. It took my wife about a year in like, just to get over the stress of it. I'm, I'm grateful that, that, that it was that. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that. My husband had prostate cancer four years ago. Mm. Had a similar, he's great. He's Good. great. He went through, he had 40 days of radiation He's been clear ever since. And, but he had early on a doctor tell him, pull the screen over in front of him and say, you have a 10% chance of surviving. Yeah. Those moments are such turning point moments. Like, what are you going to do with that? Correct. Are you going to lay down and take it or are you going to stand up and fight? Yeah. And even in that period of you not knowing what the answer was or thinking that you were dying. Even then there was that existential experience of coming face to face with your mortality. Correct. But I'll tell you, it makes everything else a lot easier. You know, so some people say, well, what about this in business? And this, you know, it puts your perspective of what's hard and what's difficult in in perspective (laughs) pretty quickly. Like hard would be having to do, you know, chemo or et cetera, et cetera. You know, growing a business and marketing and doing that to me, it just makes it a lot easier. And I'm grateful for every every moment of you know everything I have and 
And I plan on living to, you know, be 110 plus and healthy. So, I mean, it looks to me like you burned out that fear of dying yeah. young and that looks like it was generational and had been, you know, transferred down to you in yeah. whatever capacity that happens in that moment. It just, yeah, it just went away. Went yeah. away. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thanks. I want to talk about boots on the ground. What's going on in leadership in the people who you're working with? I've seen a lot with, you know, we've got the great resignation that's still kind of swirling around. We've got this new thing called quiet quitting, where people are just kind of quietly moving away from their work without saying much of anything to anybody at the end of the day. And a lot of existential, I wouldn't say necessarily crises, but at least conundrums, at least angst about what's next. What are you seeing? when it comes to those kinds of of challenges? I'm seeing that leadership today really is and needs to move more and more in the lane of compassion. It needs to move into the lane of um, training and investing in your people. It needs to move into being accessible so people feel connected to the company it need, and 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 there needs to be more servant heartfelt leadership and that is you know that is what the the millennials and the gen z's really demand and that's what other, you know older generations didn't have the voice to demand it. You know, I remember when I sold my internet company, my mom died and I took two weeks off and I had to go to DC for a conference, a partner's conference, open up the conference room door to my boss. And, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were in here. He goes, hey, your numbers have been down the last two weeks. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I was, my mom died. I was 25 at the time, 25 years ago. So my mom died. I, I haven't been in the office for two weeks. He goes, get your numbers up. I said, well, you know, I'm so sorry that I get your numbers up, shut the door. You know, that was what was, right? That's what was. And, and you had to, I had to just take it. I don't think that younger generations today would take it. You know, they, they, they just wouldn't. And so, you know, I I remember having a mentor when I was in a business, I didn't like him at all. I thought he was a horrible person, but I was stuck with him today. I'm not going to be stuck with them, right? So, so the younger generations that they have voices, but not only do they have voices, they're really smart. They understand technology. They want to learn. They're self-educated, well-educated. They've got moxie, right? I'm, I mean, broad stroke. So, so you can't manage them the same way you could manage our generations. Right. And so, you know, there's there's going to be a, I think, a continual evolution of what we're going to see in business. And I think what we're going to see is also if if it doesn't happen, then what we'll see are people say, you know what? There's a better way. You're paying me eighty thousand dollars. I can you know, start a business on my own and make $80,000. And when people come to that revelation, especially today, when you can, you know, go to YouTube and learn so many things, you just need a commitment and sometimes some courage and, you know, boom. So I think we, we just, we have to raise the consciousness and the frequency and vibration of leadership today, because it is so important. People want it, but and, and and leaders need to step up. I think that the millennials and Gen Z, the ones who I've been working with, are so much more open and available to the conversations that you yeah. and I have than even our generation. Oh, now yeah, there are some sure. painting in broad strokes, if you will, but there are some in our generation who will and do. But a lot of times they'll do it behind closed doors. Yeah, and a lot of times they're in the closet about their spiritual and 
energetic development where the the younger generations are just doing their thing. And I think that that's a really great commentary on where we're headed in terms of the evolution of business. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I love working with leaders. Most leaders today want to grow. Most leaders today know that you know, you've got up to five generations in a company today. You know, the way I work with a CEO or a, or a, 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 an owner or a leader or a manager or a salesperson is all is different in many ways. But there's a through line of most of them want to grow from, you know, from the inside out, you know, evolve their perspective, raise their consciousness because they realize that the answers of yesterday don't answer the questions of today and the level of consciousness that got them to today doesn't get them to tomorrow. So I think the more that we, you know, you, Robin, have podcasts that we're really talking about this, you know, the more it's out there, the better it is for all. Did you find during the pandemic, the leaders coming to you saying, I don't know what the F to do. I just want somebody to tell me what to do. What was their, how was, what was their reaction to that period of time? A lot of the leaders that I was working with during that time, what I found was they quickly recognized that they needed to teach their people how to take care of themselves, how to build structure into their day, you know, how to self-care, how to recalibrate. I was doing a lot of Zoom workshops on everything that we just said and talking to people and saying, hey, they were, a lot of them that I was working with were saying, hey, I'm not really sure what to do. Let's brainstorm on what we need to do, but I got to take care of my people, right? I've got, and so I, I, I was... I think a lot of people, because everyone knew it was just mayhem that, you know, everyone's nervous systems were just shot. So I think it was actually a time where people were very open to, you know, the the wellness elements of, of, of business. Finally, and for the first time, yeah. very open to it, open to mental health treatment, open yeah. to alternative ways of doing work in the world that didn't involve being in that constant grind because we yeah. couldn't be. It was so yeah. disrupted. I think that's one of the gifts actually that the pandemic brought us is, yeah. is a different way of living and working and, and being in the world. I remember saying to one leader who, who'd said that, she said, I just, I want my, my top leadership to just tell me what to do. And at the time she was the top leadership in her yeah. structure. And I said, sorry, nobody's coming. You get to, <laughs> <laughs> you get to figure right. this out. And she did. And she ended up setting the standard for the entire organization that that's she worked great. in, in terms of how things were going. But those are the, those are the kind of turning point moments, I think for leaders that we can continue to capitalize on as we move forward into- Gosh, 2023 is just a few months away. Yeah, less than that. What do you have coming up? I have exciting stuff coming up. Most of the coaching I do, Robin, is is one on one. I do keynotes and trainings, and those are coming back. And I've been doing a ton of those. Um, but a lot of the 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 coaching I do is, you know, depending on the position of someone, is like a one to five hour deep dive, and then 15 minutes a week or 30 minutes every other week. But there's some people that may not have it in the budget to get one-on-one coaching and 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 have that investment for themselves. So I'm actually launching the next couple of weeks for online programs where you can. One is a, a one is well, this one's live. It's an eight-week program where every week it's like one week is time management, one week is business planning, one week is et cetera, et cetera. One is a 90-day sales reboot program. One is a complete handbook of every form and every phase you need to look at of your business to grow your business. There'll then be a private Facebook group that will be, once that handbook is done, I'm going to sell the handbook solo 
but then you can also be part of a private Facebook group that meets for six months and it'll be limited to 18 people as we build that through 18 people in a group. And then I do some podcast coaching because I do a lot of podcast coaching. I do podcasts. I do a lot of podcasts. So does my brother. So we collab on that where we do podcast coaching, but we took our live coaching that we do and the manual we created and created it on demand. And those are all affordable prices. So people really, I can, you know, really do my best to provide as much content to the world at a, at a, at a price that, that anybody can really afford. And then, uh, gift. yeah. And then just growing my business, you know, I mean, you know, which I love, I'm always, I'm always growing my business. And so I love doing marketing and podcasting and video tips and, and just, you know, generate, and, and I love new clients. I love the, the impact that I can have in their world. And I, I guarantee everything I do, you know, as a business coach, I do no contracts. I consider myself, my clients, I want them to consider me a month to month investment. I guarantee everything. I return every call, text, email, same day. So it, it's great. I love what I do. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. So you're a visionary. What do you see? This is my last question for you. Yeah. What's coming down the pipe in terms of what's next for business leadership? Yeah. Huge opportunity. We are in a decade before COVID that was a changing environment. Studies in uh, were showing that 85% of the jobs in the year 2030 in the year 2020 didn't exist. And we're in a we're in a we're in a decade of of major evolution and change. And everyone needs to learn how to adapt. And there's opportunities for new businesses. There's opportunities to grow your business, grow market share, grow mind share. You know, today most everything is pretty affordable where you can build and launch a business. And, and there's huge opportunity, huge opportunity to grow businesses, to start businesses and to do it in a, I know this word sometimes gets overused, but doing it in an authentic way where it's in alignment with your soul. And maybe you can't do it full-time initially. Maybe you do it a quarter of a time, a quarter of a time and then part-time. But I think as we move forward, especially as we go through this decade, there's going to be tremendous opportunity. I think what people need to do especially people who are mostly affected by inflation and recessions and things of that nature is don't discount the power of wanting to do something and make your dreams come true. Doesn't mean things happen overnight, but keeping an idea journal that you write in for three minutes a day where you're building something. I know that it isn't easy for me to say to the world, you know, oh, start your own company. But with Etsy, with Amazon, there's a lot of businesses, if people start thinking outside of the box, where they can take control of their life. I interviewed a woman on my podcast who was a police officer. She got hurt in the line of duty. And so she started selling facial products and toothpaste and things like that. And now she's she has a phenomenal career. She's got three children. She's got more freedom. You know, I don't think she would have ever thought that she would have been where she is. But because of the internet, because she can work from her home, there's just huge opportunity. And I got to her because somebody that I took up communications class with 15 years ago posted her whitening toothpaste on their Facebook page. And so I went to the Facebook page and I said, oh, I want to order some of your toothpaste. She said, will you write a review? I said, I won't write a review, but I'll have you on my podcast. And that's kind of how I got to her. So, you know, I just, I just want everybody to tap into their quiet space where they can say, hey, here's where I am, but here's my highest potential. And then work a little bit every day to kind of get there and always be growing because there's, there's opportunity, but we still have to, 
we still have to do the work to get it. And I'm going to leave it right there. I don't have anything else to add. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> and you, I can't Robin. wait to reciprocate and be on your podcast. And yeah, until wait. next time, everybody, we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Robin, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on Mindset Rx. Make sure to visit my website, drrobinmckay.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, it'd simply make my day if you'd consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. Or if you'll just tell a friend about the show, that would help us out a lot too. If you like this show, you might want to consider connecting with me on LinkedIn. And I'm also available for private executive coaching, corporate trainings, and keynote addresses. Just email us at robin at drrobinmckay.com and request more information. And remember this, it's time to start dreaming again. Your future is waiting.